We have been discovering our identity in Christ during this sermon series called, Who Am I? We have talked about how in Christ we are forgiven and free the first week. And last week we talked about how we are sons and daughters of God. We don't have to define ourselves by our achievements or failures because God is a good father who loves us no matter how much or how little we accomplish in life. Uh, This morning, I want us to consider the question, are we defined by our fears? And do we have to be? Maybe you know someone whose identity is wrapped up in their fears. Their fear of rejection has hindered their love life, or their fear of failure has caused them to hold back from stepping into their calling and into the future that God has for them. If you spend enough time around them, you can see that their personality and their life choices have been shaped by these fears. For a believer, having our identity defined by our fears is a big problem. It can make us ineffective at showing people Jesus. You know, maybe a person is too afraid to share the gospel because they're afraid of rejection. Or maybe it can make us ineffective at loving our neighbor. It can make us ineffective at deep, authentic relationships or at accomplishing what he's called us to do. Fear holds us back in so many ways from living a Christ-like life, and God's heart is that we would be set free from our fears. Uh, As I've been processing the topics of this series, I've realized a lot of it boils down to the fact that the result of our knowing our identity in Christ is that fear is removed from our hearts in many ways when we recognize the many ways that he has loved us. The Apostle Paul said to his protege, Timothy, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul had just been encouraging Timothy to use his spiritual gifts and to step into his God-given calling. And fear holds us back from this. So Paul wanted Timothy to know that God doesn't make us fearful. Fear makes us weak against temptation or unloving to our neighbors or out of control in general. But God's spirit in us, on the other hand, influences us to be powerful, loving, and self-disciplined. In Christ, God has equipped us to live fearlessly. You can be free from your fears. Now, of course, we all experience the emotion of sin at some point, the emotion of fear at some point in our lives. The question is, do we allow it to rule our hearts and minds moving forward? Experiencing fear is an opportunity to increase your faith. How you respond in that moment is what determines whether you will grow in your trust for God or you will grow in your fear. If you feed that fear, you keep thinking about it, maybe imagining the worst case scenario, then your sense of fear in your heart will grow. But if you stop that fear in its tracks, if you counter it with scripture and with godly beliefs, then your faith in God will grow. So you need to ask yourself in the moment, will I feed my faith or feed my fear. God actually uses those fearful moments in our lives sometimes to help us to grow in our faith. And here's, here's why. Fear helps us to see our heart as it really is. I was watching a video Bible study um, a week ago with my Connect group, um, and Pastor Craig Groeschel said in our video that fear reveals what you value most, and fear reveals where you trust God the least. So when we experience that first thought, that first feeling of fear, it's a window into your own soul. 
You can see yourself as you really are. And then you can stand against that fear with God or you can feed your fear. Many of us in this room are dealing with all sorts of fears. Fear of losing someone we love, fear of rejection, fear of failure, and more. And I know that this morning I can't just wave a magic wand or say a few words in a sermon and make that disappear instantly. But maybe I can help you get started this morning on a journey to a life of freedom from, here, from fear. Maybe I can give you hope that you can be fearless. But it's much more complex than just saying, okay, don't be afraid. Our emotions are rooted in our personal beliefs. So to address an emotion like fear, you have to replace those false beliefs with the truth. You know, you might not be able to just choose not to be afraid, but you can change your beliefs, and that will lead to less fear. And I want to help you do that. I want to give you six statements that dispel fear. And really, these are not just statements, but these are beliefs about yourself that drive away fear. If you don't actually believe it, it won't make a difference. The first statement is, I am heaven bound. Let's repeat that together this morning. I am heaven bound. In Christ, the fact that we have eternal life helps to dispel our fear of death. Now, pretty much everybody is afraid of death to a certain degree. But in people who have a deep faith in God, it is often greatly reduced. Uh, from what we see in Scripture, it seems like the Apostle Paul was not afraid to die. He was so much more concerned with spreading the gospel than he was that it might get him killed. Uh, my grandma is 92 years old, and it seems like she's not afraid to die. Um, she was a pastor's wife. She is a prayer warrior with a deep, deep connection to God. She would, she would always tell me, I'm praying for you every day, Josh. And it was amazing. She's so close to God, but her health has gotten worse and worse over the years. Uh, she's had strokes and many strokes, and sometimes she has trouble communicating clearly. And with all of these health problems, uh, you know, honestly, we don't know how much longer we'll have her with us. And sometimes that makes me a little scared of losing her, but it really seems like she's not afraid of death because she makes these comments, like she said to my parents, I just want to be with Jesus, or I just want to go home. And it breaks my heart to hear that, but it, it's so beautiful to see that deep faith that lives in her heart and the confidence she has in her eternal destiny. She's excited to see Jesus and to spend eternity with him. And the fact that we are heaven-bound helps to dispel our fear of death. Paul spends a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 talking about our hope for eternity. And he completes the chapter with this summary. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, but the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us victory over death. We will spend eternity with him because Jesus died from our sins and rose from the dead. And God has equipped us to live unafraid of death. Another statement that dispels fear is, I am not a victim of evil spiritual forces. 
Pastor Steve talked about this last month during the Heavenly Realm series, but that Sunday the weather was really bad, so you may have missed that one. But Jesus is stronger than the devil. He has already defeated him by dying on the cross, and as his people, we do not need to fear the enemy and his demons. Have you ever sensed that an evil spirit was at work? Something was going on spiritually that was not right. Um, you know, some of us may have never experienced this, but I know there's some of you that have, uh, and I have a few times in my life. One time was when I visited a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in China. Uh, this is Sam Tzu Ling Monastery in Shangri-La, China. My friends and I were in town for a week or so, and we were praying at a few locations throughout this town, including the monastery. Uh, we were free to walk throughout most of the building, and we quietly prayed for people as we went. Um, and although I wasn't allowed to, I snuck a picture of this 30-foot-tall Buddha statue inside. And as I walked around this monastery, um, I felt very strongly in my spirit that demonic forces were at work in this place, deceiving people and, and holding them in spiritual bondage. And now I'm not saying that all Buddhists are demon-possessed, but I, I absolutely felt evil spirits at work in that place. It was a little unnerving, but my friends and I responded in confident prayer. We didn't pray scared because we knew that God already has the victory over the enemy and his demons. Let me show you this in Scripture this morning. Paul says that he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, that's demons. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So Jesus has disarmed and embarrassed any evil spiritual forces. He gained victory over them by dying on the cross, and his victory is your victory. And even better than that, God is on your side, uh, as we see in the Psalms. It says, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. Now, as Christians, our enemies are not other people. Our enemies are Satan and his demons. But we can have the confidence of David to say, God is on my side. And when the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present creator of the world is on your side, you don't have to fear the influence of those evil spirits. So don't pray scared, pray boldly. God is on your side and demons have to flee. He has equipped us to be unafraid of the devil. Another statement that dispels our fear is, I am provided for. Would you say that with me? I am provided for. Uh, many people fear not, or not having the resources that they will need in the future. But the fact that God provides us with everything we truly need helps us to dispel our fear of lack. Um, you know, as a father, he helps provide for our needs. Maybe not all of our wants, but everything we really need. I remember a period of my life where I had next to nothing. I had just finished uh, serving with a traveling ministry, and uh, there was a couple months or so where I was looking for a job, couldn't find a job yet, and my money was running out. Uh, one day I was buying groceries, and my debit card didn't work. I thought I had $120 in the bank, and it turned out that I had overdrawn by $20. And I remember that feeling of fear and worry. I, you know, I have nothing. What am I going to do? But God was already working on the answer to it. Um, my dad gave me 100 bucks to help get me by. 
One of my close friends helped me to get an interview at a job and I interviewed as soon as possible and started that job within a week. Everything came together because God had already provided for me even though I couldn't see a way out. Jesus himself told us that God will give us everything we need in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Let's read a short section of that in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 34. So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. If you live for God, if you seek his kingdom first, he will give you everything you truly need. It might not be exactly on your terms or your timetable, but God will provide. So we don't need to fear the future. You know, work hard, be wise with your money, but give it to God. When you, uh, you know, lay out your budget and you look at your money for that month, pray over it. Submit it to God and trust him. When you have an opportunity to be generous, don't be afraid to give a little bit more to bless someone because God will take care of you. One of the most common fears is the fear of rejection. But the fact that God has accepted us helps dispel our fear of rejection. So say it with me this morning. I am accepted. Even when imperfect people reject us, our perfect God has accepted us. And his acceptance is what we need the most. He will never reject you. Uh, Jesus spelled it out for us in John 6, verse 37. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. There's something incredibly good for the soul when those who are closest to us are always accepting of us despite our imperfections. It's like good soil for the soul to grow in. And the good news is that we don't have to worry about that in our relationship with God. The bad news is that people are imperfect and we probably will experience some rejection at some point in our life from other people, maybe even those we love the most. Um, David talked about this in the Psalms and he said, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Now, as far as we know, David's mother and father never abandoned him or rejected him, but he probably wrote this while he was in exile and King Saul had been trying to kill him. David had been in King Saul's court. He was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, but Saul was jealous of David's rising popularity and he was trying to kill him. Later in life, when uh, long after David wrote that psalm, his son betrayed him and tried to take over the kingdom. Those closest to him betrayed him, but he knew that God would never forsake him. He will hold us close. So maybe if you're a a teenager or in college, when that guy or girl that you like rejects you, you can remain confident that God accepts you. When your friends talk about you behind your back, God is faithful. When the Spirit prompts you to share your faith with a friend, you can go ahead and do it. You don't have to be afraid of rejection because the one who matters most has accepted you. God has equipped you to live unafraid of rejection. Another belief that dispels our fear is that I am not perfect and that's okay with God. The fact that God loves us despite our weaknesses helps dispel 
our fear of failure. Now, here's what I mean by that. God's not okay with sin, right? Sin is not a good thing. It's not something that God ignores. But it's not a deal breaker because God made the first move when we were far from him. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, despite our sins. And that sin is destructive to both our relationship to others and with God. But God sent his son to die for us before we had it all together. And sometimes, even after we're Christians, we receive God's forgiveness. We fail. Maybe we even sin. And when we do, we find grace and forgiveness from our loving Father, like we talked about last week. I want to read you a few verses that precede a passage that we read last week. Um, This is in Romans chapter 5, and this is verses 3 through 6. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So Christ loved us so much that he died for us when we were utterly helpless. Uh, That word in the original language means weak or feeble. Some of us hate feeling weak so much that we fear it, we avoid it at all costs. But the thing is, whether we fail or we succeed at our goals, God still loves us enough to die for us. And when we're sure of that, when we're certain of his love, it's okay to fail. You know, maybe you're, you're not perfect at your job. Maybe, um, you know, you're still improving at being a parent. But God loves you and he's with you. And even if you sin, you can find grace and forgiveness from him. You know, all kinds of people have failed at something in life, and they have learned from it and grown from it. Their problems and their trials developed endurance and character like that verse talks about. The fact is, at some point in your life, you probably will fail at something. But instead of dreading that moment until it happens and wallowing in shame when it does, let God use it to build your character. Don't fear failure so much that you don't take time for your family and friends or take time to rest or take time to seek God in prayer, in the the scriptures. You're not perfect, and that's okay. God has equipped you to live unafraid of failure. Uh, One of the beliefs that has helped calm my fears is that I am not alone. Let's say that together. I am not alone. There is such power in knowing that the all-powerful creator of the universe is with me, and he loves me. The fact that God is with us helps dispel our fear of loss. People fear uh, losing a job or losing a relationship or even losing a loved one in death. And now all of those things are painful to go through. And they should be grieved properly, uh, especially death. But knowing that our Savior is present with us helps us in our grief. He knows what it means to grieve and he is always with us. In Psalm 34, David wrote, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So someday when your heart is broken, the Lord will be with you. If your spirit is crushed, he will rescue you. When Mary and Martha lost their brother, Lazarus, Jesus showed up. And we always remember the part where he brought Lazarus back to life. But first, 
Jesus wept with them over their loss. And when he ascended into heaven after the resurrection, he told his disciples this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus wants you to know that he is always with you. Even when loss and grief come your way, he is not far from you. When your job doesn't work out like you had thought, you're not alone. When, even when your relationship falls apart, God is with you every step of the way. And even when you lose someone whom you loved very dearly, Christ is walking with you through your grief, giving you strength and calming your fears. He will meet you in your loss. So we have covered a lot of ground this morning. We have seen how God has equipped us to live fearlessly. He has given us victory over death. He has disarmed the evil spirits and he always provides for us. He has accepted us despite our sin and we know Uh, we know that he loves us. He knows that we'll fail at times and he's okay with that. He offers us grace and forgiveness. He is always close to us when we are broken hearted. I would encourage you to take those sermon notes home with you this week. You can pray through those six statements, especially if one of them is something that you really struggle with. You know, reminding yourself of those truths will help you to destroy your fears from the root. Replace your belief in the object of your fear with the truth of God in Scripture. In his book, Anxious for Nothing, uh, Max Lucado recommends that people who struggle with anxiety to be calm, C-A-L-M. The C is to celebrate God's goodness. When you put your focus on his goodness, it increases your faith and decreases your fear. The A is to ask God for help. Turn to him instead of trying to control everything for yourself. The L is leave your concerns with God. Trust God that he will answer your prayers and do what's best for you. The M is for meditate on good things. Don't repeat those fearful thoughts in your mind over and over and over, but remind yourself of who God is and what he has done. Now, we, we all struggle with fear and anxiety from time to time in life. Um, but if you are consistently, regularly, and it's dominating your life, I can encourage you to not only pray like crazy and dig into the scriptures, um, but to, to seek some people out who can help you. Uh, maybe a, a Christian counselor uh, is someone who could really help you replace those beliefs with a godly perspective, a biblical perspective, and help you to break out of that prison of fear. Um, And in in some cases of extreme anxiety disorders, you know, we need to take care of our mental health, just like we take care of our physical health. So it's important to get the help that we need. But no matter whether your fears are constant or just occasional, we all need to remind ourselves that God is with us, that he loves us, and to speak truth to ourselves that removes those false beliefs that lead to fear. So the next time you feel afraid, stop and ask yourself, What does this show me about what I value? And what does it reveal about how much I trust God? Take your fears to God and remind your soul of the truth. You know, if you're afraid of lack, remind yourself that God will give me everything I need. If you're afraid of rejection, remind yourself that God will never reject me. If you're afraid of failure, remind yourself that I'm not perfect, but God loves me. Speak to your soul and use that moment to let God bring you into greater and greater freedom from fear. And someday you'll be able to say with David, 
I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. May he free you from all your fears this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you bring us into freedom. We thank you for the unconditional love we find in you. Lord, that though we were sinful and imperfect, you died for us. Lord, and we know your love for us is so deep that you will never reject us. Lord, you have provided for us in so many ways. Lord, you are stronger than anything else in this universe, and you are on our side. You are a good father who loves us. Lord, we are so thankful for what you have done in our lives, Lord. For those of us who, Lord, are are struggling with fear in life, Lord, we ask that you would bring peace and rest and joy to our souls, Lord, in ways we never thought possible. Lord, help us to see what you have for us, to live boldly for you in the confidence that you love us deeply. Lord, help us to know who we are as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.